Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. <laughs> Good evening, fiends. Welcome to another episode of Sinister Parlor Podcast. I'm Zombie Barbie, and tonight I have a very extra special show, not only for our guests that we're going to introduce here in a minute, but I now have a full-time co-host that will be with me every single week on the show, the one and the only, my best friend, horror fanatic, radio and podcast guru, Bud Vino. We added Nicole Zombie Barbie in the words of Ric Flair, woo, woo. <laughs> Woo! Here we go, baby! Rihanna Nicole and Bud Vino, the dynamic duo. And we have our very first guest, Rihanna, our man, Michael Myers himself from 1998's H2O, the man, Chris Duran. How are you, Mr. Duran? Hi, guys. How are you tonight? Good. So excited. My heart's running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're energetic. It is the 13th of uh, August, 2020, air date of the show, January... Uh, See, August 15th, 2020, yep. um, and we're ready to rock and roll tonight, Rhiannon. And thank you so much, before we get going, for having me on as your permanent co-host. Yes. As you can tell, I'm a little bit excited. Just a little bit. You should be. Yeah. This is great. And we have, like, the best guest ever as our first guest, so this is super, super cool. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And Mr. Duran, before we get going... Thank you so much. And people out there don't have any idea, do they, Rianne, how accommodating Mr. Chris Duran has been. And I've dealt with a lot of people. This guy is top-notch. Just getting to know you over the course of the last couple of weeks, Mr. Duran, it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure. And it's been refreshing. So thank you for thank that. You thank you for Appreciate coming on. Thank you. Thank you. So you were in Halloween H2O, which aired 1998, I believe, right? August 5th? So, yeah, and so it was a 22-year anniversary, what was it, two weeks ago, one week ago? I think two weeks ago, huh? It was a week. Yeah, see, we're getting our dates mixed up, but it was one week ago. Yeah. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think Mr. Duran knows this, but first of all, when we recorded um, with Mr. Duran, Halloween H2O had come out the day before, and next week, Friday the 13th, 3 comes out, and we're recording with Larry Zerner, Friday the 13th, came out a week, a day before we're recording with him. So that just confused everybody, but we couldn't have planned that again if we tried. Um, so again, thank you, Mr. Duran. It is awesome to have you on. And yes, Halloween H2O 1998. Yes. And Rhiannon, you and I had talked before the show too. And for those that don't know, and we'll let Mr. Duran speak on this, he didn't watch any of the movies, any of the Halloween movies beforehand. So it's weird, though, because now when I watch, knowing that, mm -hmm. I'm more afraid of Chris than I am Michael under the mask, knowing that Chris wasn't acting. So what do, you think, what do you say, Chris? Yeah, no, it's true. I, the, the way it unfolded is that I went in for an audition, and during my time with Steve Miner in the first AD, they kind of had a side conversation about how they weren't going to reference anything that came before. Whenever you go to an audition, you take any clues you can get, whether it's uh, on your your sides for uh, your dialogue, which, of course, with Halloween, there is none. Any, any conversations they're having, you pick up all the clues you can and, and file them away. 
And in this case, I got the show. And so I immediately went back to that and said, we're not going to do what came before. So why watch any of the previous movies? <laughs> no, I had never seen Halloween itself because I was too young when it came out. So I would not have been allowed to go. So now here I am landing Michael, the part from Michael uh, 20 years later. And, you know, kind of a happy accident, not watching anything. I, I misunderstood what they meant. What they had really meant was they weren't going to reference the other movies three through six. <laughs> and they written this was going to be the third in a trilogy. But I just said, we're not doing what came before. Why worry about it? Let's go and do what we're going to do. And we'll figure it out as we go. So that was kind of a, a happy accident. I didn't get in my head about it, which is really good. Well, you did. Yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. Well, for doing it organically, that's pretty amazing because it, it flowed really well. I saw it start in the theater, as I know Rhiannon did. Mm -hmm. And there was a visceral, visceral reaction in the theater. Um, and people were roaring, especially when you were coming out of that body bag. Of course, I was cheering for you. No <laughs> offense to Jamie Lee Curtis, because I love her in the movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was an awesome time, and it was really exciting. Um, and I'll let Rhiannon speak on this, and let you speak on it, too, this brand. That H2O was really a resurrection. It went back to, back to a lot of basics. It was really refreshing to Again. a lot of the purists, so to speak, of the Halloween movies. That's why it's amazing that you didn't right. see them because you, you, it was seamless. So oh, again, again, but the, the idea was it was the third in a trilogy. It was supposed to go one, two, and H2O. And that's how Jamie kind of wanted to play the whole thing from the beginning. So that's what Steve was aiming for with the franchise. Now, in fairness, they showed me two small clips of footage while we were on set, well into filming. Um, just to, to overlap things. And one was the closet scene, because we obviously overlapped that as a homage to the original. Mm -hmm. And so they just showed it to me right before we went and I kind of went, okay, cool. That's, okay. you know, we're mimicking that. And the other was the head tilt. And and I've said this before, it's the, the one that became the meme. It's kind of a full body shot of me doing the head tilt. They showed that to me five minutes before that, we shot that and that kind of became one of the iconic shots in the movie. So other than that, um, Steve let me do what I thought was right. And it was a process for me to figure out what to do with this guy. Because if you're, if you don't bring any energy to this role, it's going to fall flat. Now the mask itself has a certain fear factor built in, um, the lighting, the movement, the knife, obviously, you know, the kind of shock scares, all of that stuff is built in to make this a, a frightening character, but that's not enough to really bring it alive. And so I had to figure out what to do because I realized I've got no dialogue. I've got no facial expressions. I got nothing. I'm just some guy in a mask. So what do you do? And I, I landed on a large cat. I landed on a tiger because if you've ever seen a tiger lock on prey, it's a frightening thing, and it's an unbreakable gaze. And so I kind of would tilt my head slightly, and I'd lock on whoever I was after in the scene, and I'd actually growl very lowly under my breath, which the sound guy picked up on and apparently worked into the soundtrack, although oh. subtly. Um, and that was it. I would just, I would single-mindedly go after my prey. And it translates to film, which is the fascinating thing. 
because if you did the scene twice and you did it once just walking down the hall with the mannerisms, it would be okay. But when you put that energy into it, it really somehow gets picked up on film and it comes across. So it was important to bring that every time, that energy to each scene and each take and not get lazy about it. Rhiannon? Yeah, so um, I had said before that, you know, I obviously I've watched all the Halloweens, but H2O and then the 2018 are the only ones I've seen in the theaters. But, you know, I've watched all of them. H2O is at the top of my favorite Halloween films. You know, I, of course, love the original because it's the original. But the original H2O, the original, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, same with like Nightmare on Elm Street. I love all of those, but the original is, you know, one of my favorites. But H2O, man, that was, that's still to this day one of my absolute and your performance was incredible and to know that you didn't go into it knowing michael myers that's incredible it's insane because you did amazing incredible terrifying so i'm terrifying i I am a gemini so i just found that other side and went with it well as some may not know but i'm very lucky because chris and i share a birthday we're both gemini we were born on the same day, so all the incredible people were born on our birthday, Chris. And yeah, you did a great, even even the head tilt, which some people don't realize is a big thing with the Michael Myers character. For sure. Uh, even Friday the 13th is paying homage to that head tilt. Um, so, and, and you did it very well, uh, very organically. And when you were talking about the way you went about the role, Chris, and, and that animal with prey, I, I really can see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in particular, the hallway scene, it's almost like your 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 feet aren't even on the ground. You're being driven head first, almost so, uh, like I said, hyper-focused on your prey. And it really translates. Uh, it really translates. It's terrifying. Now, I'd, I'd like to add a layer to that, though. And, and this goes all the way back to when we chose the, the mask, the original mask, is I went in and we did a photo lineup with all of the previous masks or versions thereof and a bunch of lighting tests to see what they wanted to do. They landed on one mask and then the discussion became, do you tuck the mask in or do you leave it untucked? Mm-hmm. And to me, if you leave it untucked as a viewer, I just want to reach out and I want to grab it and rip it off. It's a handle right there that you just say, I want to, I want to peel it. And you know, somebody's under it. When you tuck it in, it blurs that line just slightly. Okay. That's at least this is my take on it. It blurs the line so that, yeah, it's a mask, but yeah, it's also, it's, he's his own entity. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're straddling the line between a monster that's his own monster and a person that's under there. And so that humanity, when you can let it shine through in little moments and little pieces, makes the difference. So when I did that head tilt and when I, finally came face to face with Jamie at the door. Those are two real good moments where the humanity comes through just a little bit because here I am chasing the kids down or, you know, stalking them at this point. And then there's this curious, like, Oh, hi guys. What's up? You know, it's <laughs> a moment where I kind of come back, you know, as a person underneath it all. And then it goes right back into stalking. So wow. those little breaks, make it freakier, make it a lot scarier because, you know, if, if it's just a, a nondescript monster 
okay, you know, you fight the monster, you kill him, that's bad enough. But if you can relate to that monster and you can see that it's really unstable, that's worse. That's always worse to me. And there's also a relation that you can see elements of yourself in Michael. And, and that's really important because then you, you cross link being the victim with like, wait, this is a guy and I can break through to him and no, you can't. And you know, you're, you're always on that razor's edge. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is what made that work. It was a f- tough thing to figure out and find on the fly. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we did a good job with it. And, you know, no news, as they say in the business, if you're not hearing that it's wrong, then it's right. And we well, just kind of, again, Steve, let me change it. So that scene, Chris, sorry to interrupt. I, it is so frantic. First of all, I think that scene was done so perfectly. And I know Rihanna, Rihanna will concur because she smiled as I did when you started describing it. You are such an animal in that scene. And it's one of my favorites. You were pushing against that fence like you were going to break. I mean, it's so. And what it reminds me of, Chris, is when that door opens, like a car doing 100 miles an hour and then hitting the brakes. And it's like the whole scene comes right into that moment. And when they lock eyes, everything stops, as you said. And then all of a sudden, the car hits the gas again. Uh, there's, you know, and, and I think your eyes in the movie, there's been discussion on the eyes. And I love it because as you spoke to, it, it shows that humanity. Yeah. And it, it's an uneasy sort of thing. For sure. If, if you don't have that read and it's just blank, black eyes, you're always going to be missing a level, especially when we came face to face at the door there. Because like you said, you're coming in at 100 miles an hour and then there's this realization for me, like, oh, there you are. You know, what's up? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I thought too, Chris, is, is and, and I can't speak, first of all, I've heard nothing but good things about Steve Miner, the director. Um, uh, and, and I just feel like with Jamie Lee Curtis and the way that movie was, you know, 20 years later, and in that movie, you were a brother and sister. And it was kind of emotional for the fans too. And I think the eyes were immensely important because of the brother sister component there. Absolutely. And that kind of, yeah, human, it seems like that would be necessary. Yeah. And, and you have to realize too, that the other side of that scene is that she's been hallucinating me the whole movie. Yeah. Or at least, you know, the audience is unsure if I'm there or not, yeah. but in her mind, she's, she's, hallucinating me and she's freaking out and this is the moment when it's it's no longer that this is the moment when it's real and it lands in her lap again mm-hmm. and it all came to this big head-on collision and it and it ended up working really really well i think it it helped obviously to have that whole lead-up scene to have everyone be entirely frantic with with the two of them you know an inch away from being sliced and having dropped the keys. So the suspense just kind of went over the top there. And then that final culmination of the scene is we're face to face. She reaches for the gun and then I'm gone. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm, you know, it, it all, one of my favorite scenes. Literally all a line, it goes hundred miles an hour, head on collision to wait, what? 
you know, and, and completely right. off balance for her, complete panic mode for everyone. So it really built it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfectly done. When quite a few times when you're there and you're just kind of going at them, um, even in the theater, it was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, stop, stop, stop. you know, shit. Like, I was like, everybody was just like frantic as well seeing that scene. And you're just like, kind of like, oh no, oh no, he's there, he's there, right. he's there. <laughs> That's the idea is to get you built up and on edge. Now, the story with that gate that I tell is um, it was a very large courtyard and they had built a, a section off of the, the mansion there that we were filming at. It's an old nun's retreat from like the 20s. Ooh. It was a silent movie star's mansion that became a nun's retreat and like a home for wayward girls or something like that. And then it kind of was in disrepair and became a, a set for many, many things over the years. But they built out that gate area and it was a huge back um, driveway area that was very, very large. And the whole time leading up to that, um, I avoided um, I avoided Josh and uh, Michelle. I, I just stayed away from them. So I paid attention to where they were and I was somewhere else the whole time. And then when they got ready, they got up there. I was across the courtyard getting ready and they invited me to come up and I'm like, nope, just roll camera. <laughs> okay. And so I was probably 50 feet away when when they're starting to get going and say, okay, everyone get ready. And start, And I started walking. <clears throat> By the time they say roll camera in action, I'm landing at the gate with full energy. And I've stacked myself up behind the camera on the approach so they don't see me. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm, I'm basically hidden behind everybody. So when they call action and I appear, their reaction was half real because I was in their face. And that lends itself to a much better scene always because you enter it in character. You're not, mm -hmm. you know, okay, okay, we're ready. That's happy go lucky. It's okay. What do we do? And you got to pump your energy up at the last second, let them do their thing. I did mine. And again, you meet and, and you meet with a big clash and it, and it brings a lot of energy to it, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is I, I when we did this swiping of the knife there, uh, I reached through the gate, and I know how to set this all up. I've done this kind of stuff for years and years and years, but I made sure I reached through the gate and the knife was safely away from them, but very close. And with my body position, there was no way I could get them with the knife. I couldn't reach any further. So it was a safe distance. And then I could really let loose and as long as they stayed pressed up against the door, it would never get them. But something they cut out was at one point, the knife flicked a little bit of blood onto Michelle's face. Oh. And they, they didn't use that, I think, because it was a continuity issue. Um, but it was, you know, it was right at them. And they were, you know, <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Let's say that. <laughs> well, we, we ended up... Yeah, Rhiannon has a little crush on Josh Hardnett. Well, well, we can let that cat out. Of I do. And, and I can tell in that scene a couple things. You you are pushed, I mean, right against that fence. And the funny thing is, if you look, and I know you have, Chris, I'm sure, and sure Rhiannon has. When you do Chris crash in that scene, you can tell now, knowing that, that their reaction, is some of it's natural, because the edit, as they're kind of, she turns around and he's kind of screaming, you can see it's involuntary. They're mm -hmm. both amazing. Uh, actors, but that oh, split were, second, you can see that terror 
uh, kind of like Corey Feldman and Paul when, when Ted White <laughs> comes through the window and grabs him. Uh, it yeah. was that same sort of look of uh, involuntary terror. Which, which of course, listen, they're, they're all fabulous. Everyone in the cast was fabulous. I was really, really lucky to have them around me and to kind of be the anchor for that. I mean, how flattering is that, right? But all of them can bring it and they all did. And I did what I could to help kind of uh, keep them in mode, if you will, and, and not be too chummy while you're doing stuff because it's hard if it's a serious scene or a scary thing to kind of shift gears. So it's, you know, there's times to hang out and do your stuff and it's all fine. And then there's times when, like I said, I separated myself on purpose because I knew this is an intense scene coming up. I'm not going to get in their way. Mm -hmm. You know, my role is over here and, and made it happen that way. There's another scene where I did a, a similar thing. And it was much later in the filming. And it was when she hits me with the van and we come face to face again through the windshield for that moment. And we were on a stage and Jamie was in the van and there was the, the, there's a backdrop, like a, a green screen backdrop so they can do all of the, you know, the insets later for the motion. And I think they thought I was gonna stand up on this platform and pop up and jump into the window kind of thing. And again, I was getting ready about 30 feet away and they're saying, okay, you ready? And I go, yeah, go ahead and roll cameras. They're like, what? I go, just roll. I go, okay, roll action. And I took off, you know, as they were saying, rolling and I'm going. <laughs> and full, full speed sprint. And I jumped up onto the platform and into the windshield. And, and Jamie's went, whoa. I mean, she didn't have any idea. She thought it was going to just pop up and she was going to play it off. But I, I hit the thing hard and in her face, and that was a real reaction. Um, well, yeah, well, I think that if I could, Rhiannon, um, I think the eyes were important in that scene, too, uh, your eyes and hers, because of the same reasons we mentioned before. Yeah. And I love her little smirk right before you guys go over the edge. Like, right, you're almost, she's almost hit the Michael Myers level at that. She goes to that level for a split second. Basically, I'm no longer the victim. Uh, you're about to be victimized. You're about to know what it feels like. Now you're afraid of me. Well, and, and that, and that moment, that moment starts even earlier when she sends the kids off and she says, go, 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 and yeah. closes the gate. And when she gets that ax, it's on. She's, oh, no yeah. longer, she's no longer the victim at that point. She's now on par and she's going to come get me. And she's taunting you, screaming your name, which and, and I talked about this in, in the theater too. People were cheering because we all knew this is all this time now it's finally going to happen and right. also Jamie's attitude in that scene I mean she kicks the glass to right. grab that axe she is not effing around at all and right. I just want to quickly say that Rihanna it was an all-star cast Josh Josh Hartnett as we met, mentioned Michelle Williams <laughs> um, Alan uh, Adam Arkin um, and yep. we talked about um, you being on the set with uh, Janet Lee, the late great Janet Lee. Yeah. He was in that movie too. What was that like? Well, it was in, it was in passing because she came in and was busy. But what a what a cool thing to to be there and to meet her and you know to tie everything in. You know because obviously Psycho, the original. You know, and then many years later, her daughter is you know Halloween, and 
the, the silly lines, you know, I don't mean to be maternal kind of stuff. A psycho car was in it. I mean, it was all these little fun things that Steve wove into it. So that was a real, just a real treat. Absolutely. And, and Rhiannon, Chris had told us too at one point a story about LL Cool J having a little issue with the mask in that. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you can speak on that. That was fantastic. Yeah, he, he uh, did not like the mask. He thought it was freaky and weird and he just kept looking at me sideways we were but it was the scene where right before um he gets shot so there's a, a shadow coming up that you think is michael and then it turns out to be him and he gets shot mm -hmm. we're getting ready to do all of this stuff and he's watching something that i'm doing and i get the mask on he's like 20 feet away and he stayed 20 feet away and he <laughs> gave me like the stink eye the whole time it was like that's just wrong but that tells you, uh, you know, again, what we started the conversation, that kind of t speaks to the freakiness of the character itself, right? Before you even bring the energy to it, there's an element of it. And of course, now I'm in full mode because we're well into filming. And so whenever that goes on, you're, you're becoming Michael for that moment. Mm -hmm. So that didn't help him. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, Rihanna. And I don't he, you know, what a nice man. He, it, was, it was just kind of funny because he's seeing me. We're talking different times. And then the mask goes on. He wants no, nowhere, nothing to do with it. He wants to be way away. Well, I, thought, I think it's funny, too, Rhiannon, because I, the very first, like, rap song I heard and I, I fell in love with, in love with was I'm Bad when, when I was a kid, LL Cool J. <laughs> um, and it's just funny because he's real. He is real. Like, he's he's. He, he lives it like he spits it. I know that. So it's just funny. I think, too, I was thinking that he probably grew up on these movies like a lot of us did. As a kid, it probably freaked him out like it did a lot of us in like the 70s and 80s. So mm -hmm. coming back to it and seeing how real you did it, I mean, you're, you're, that it probably really freaked him out like, like it does a lot of us. It reminds us of our childhood in a good way. And mm -hmm. what's funny is you don't know the reach of, I mean, you know, listen, I didn't have any idea when I got the movie kind of what the reach was, what the fan base was, but it's wide and it's varied. I mean, by people coming up to me on the street asking for autographs partway through. And, you know, it was it was every walk of life you can imagine. It's, it's doctors and lawyers and the sheriff and kids and, you know, maids walking somebody else's kid and whatever, whatever you can imagine. They were all interested and they all knew it. Now, I found out a really... Very cool for me, although sad uh, piece of trivia recently because Kobe Bryant, I love Kobe, right? Um, Kobe apparently used to listen to the theme before he went out for big games. Oh, that's cool. It uh -huh. was his ringtone, from what I understand. It's, it's ironic. <laughs> and I would do it and get ready for the game because he said Michael's just stone cold killer, and that's how. He wanted to go out with that attitude to play. So that's how wide reaching this kind of character is. How humbling is that? That's, that's amazing. It's crazy. And the fact that, again, listen, the fact that it landed in my lap to, to pull this off somehow is immensely flattering. And I'm really glad I didn't know anything about it ahead of time. Because I really <laughs> didn't second guess anything. I just went in and did what I thought was right. Mm -hmm. um, well, you try, again, you try to find it organically. You try to find what the underlying basis is for this guy. 
and bring and bring the energy to it and just keep it clean and keep it straight and you know be present when it's time and it boy does it resonate with people it's like you love the theme same with nightmare on elm street theme um it's so scary but you love it and i think again you know it brings us back to our childhood watching these that you all you know for girls like slumber parties and you know going to the movies and you know blockbuster and renting 50 million different scary movies and it's like those right. things scare the crap out of you right but you love them people love to scare the crap out of themselves for some reason yeah. <laughs> it burns like three thousand calories in one horror movie so <laughs> well i think the placement in the score in h2o is perfect too when jamie cuts her head off and it starts there and i will say Hats off, Chris, because you, you, Jamie, cut your head off and your head rolls and you never blinked. You <laughs> never blinked, buddy. No. <laughs> no, you got to dedicate. You got you to go for it. You got to commit to the scene, man. Right. <laughs> and you, it's amazing. And you did. You did. I give you a lot of credit, but that you did. Well, I, my wife and I, admittedly, we did watch, Rand and I, we were all, the three of us were joking and talking the other night. My, Allison and I, my wife, watched uh, H2O again which I've seen a million times and I love it every time. And she actually mentioned that, that she thought that the fact, because I had told her that it was organic for you. And, and that was probably, because she's still like, she goes, I don't care. I still know, and it, but it still freaks me out. That's how good it is. And I still, like I said, to this day, I, I enjoy it. And I think it's because of that. All the whole blend, your performance was absolutely off the charts. And everybody else really, they didn't mail it in. Like everybody was there and took it seriously. It, it seemed like it was people's hearts were in it and it was a lot of fun. And on top of that, again, it seems like you're an awesome director. Again, Steve Miner did uh, Nightmare Now, excuse me, Friday the 13th, two and three as well. So I think it brought that 80s flair and that respect and knowledge he obviously sure. has uh, mm -hmm. to the franchise of Halloween. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it's important to have a feel for the time and for the. Um, for the genre, and I think you know they they picked wisely with Steve. It was really fun. He's in it, you know. He's the principal when they're all leaving. Right. The trip. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he hit himself. He put it. So when they're all going out on on, uh, you know, everyone else is leaving on the trip or whatever, and they end up staying behind. Yeah, he's the principal walking them out. Oh. That's, yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, very cool. I'm in it too. Yeah, and that's like the best yeah. part. Well, and, and, and if I could, Chris, you've been in a lot of other movies uh, besides uh, Rhiannon. What else has he been in? Uh, Scream Two, it was right. Yeah. Absolutely. Scream yeah. Two. You've done. You did uh, work on the mask with Jim Carrey, Armageddon, Jurassic Park Two, yeah. right? I looked. Um, there was a couple other ones that blew me away. Um, today and I meant to write it down. There was one. I there was a few of them. You've done literally. If you look and you don't really have to dig far, it really blows me away. Uh, your the crow with Brandon Lee. You you've done it all. I was there on the crow for an entire week before the accident happened. Oh. There's a there's a very long conference table where he walks in and plops up on the table and becomes a big shootout scene. I die about three times in that scene. Um, but we we had 25 or 30 of us lighting it up the whole time, all week, no issues. 
um, I did a big thing where I get blasted back through the window and fall about 50 feet into a dance floor full of people shooting too many Macs on the way down. So it was a pretty fun, fun gig. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. But, but then, you know, you go home and it's a, it's a scene with one gun and one shot and that happens. And so it's pretty tragic. I'd worked with him once before that too. Oh, very nice. Man. How was he? Not to get off track. You know, we can go anywhere we want, but you know, how was that? How'd you find him? How was Brandon? Yeah. How was he? Yeah. Great, great guy down to earth, um, up and coming, working his butt off to get better and better. You know, I had done, I can't remember the other one. He did like four movies and I was in one of them uh, doing a fight with them. And then we did this big shootout, which was really cool. Um, they cut out some really cool stuff on that film, but uh, you know, I'd hope that, that we would keep it all in after the accident, but they didn't. So it, it was, go ahead, Rayanne. Sorry. What <clears> part <throat> was it? Because I've always I've read different things. What part was it where he, um, where the accident happened, I guess. Was it on that conference table or was it a whole different scene? No, it was a scene later when there's one, just him and one other guy shooting at him. Okay. Yeah. No, we got, we did the conference scene with everybody shooting for a, a week solid and had no issues. Okay. And I'd been home about five days when that happened. So, you know, it was a shame too. And I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. I mean, I'm just his <clears throat> philosophy, his writings and, Randomly was someone who you could tell was really had his own talent, you know, too. He wasn't looking to just ride on his dad's coattails because he really was unique, it seemed like, for the work that he did. And The Crow, I don't think, it didn't just take off because of his death. That's a good movie. It's a very dark, deep movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, the, the dark ones do well. And then, unfortunately, that happened because it would have been, uh, been a couple of them. He'd have been huge. Yeah, he was really, really good, and he was working really hard at it. And he was, he was very unique, so that was a just a tragic thing. But yeah, at least yeah, I got definitely. to work with him. Yeah, well, there you go. You see, and everything happens for a reason in terms of who you get to work with and, and how it affects you and what how it translates. And all those experiences brought you to right here. So mm -hmm. we're thankful for all of them and all the people you've met. Um, Rhiannon. Any more questions for Mr. Dre? Because I've got plenty. Um, it's not necessarily a question, but um, I had the funny thing, like how you're saying, you know, that you resonate with Michael as a person because you can see his eyes. I noticed so many times in that movie when you do see him, you almost feel bad for him. Like, yeah. just wanted to come around, like, you know, let's come on, let's your sister, like, just be normal, be okay. Don't, don't kill him, don't cut his head off. It's like I felt bad for him, and you just want him to be normal and you almost feel like he just might kind of come out of it but then he doesn't which is which is much much more powerful than just mm -hmm. having a straight straight bad guy that gets taken out yeah because uh, again listen jamie within the story of h2o is entirely conflicted she, you know she's not happy-go-lucky many years later she's messed up she's popping pills she's drinking her son is the age that she was when, you know, things went wrong the first time. <laughs> and But now you've got a different approach. She's not thinking about her. She's thinking about her kid. Right? You've got all of those things happening. Um, so she's coming in with this very much more complex character. And then to have it kind of unfold at the end 
where she's conflicted because like you're saying, you start to feel bad for him or, or you start to be unsure. So she's unsure, right? And that makes her final decision all that much more powerful because it's that moment reaching out where, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And everybody loses their mind in the theaters when, when that happened. It was really cool to see because it went in five different directions every time I saw it. Mm -hmm. Made for a better yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's one of those things I still, and I agree with you on the where feeling kind of bad. It's a weird dynamic, and that's why I think that movie is so intriguing because you you're watching this guy just doing this these, these horrific things. But I think that's the humanness in us. We want to believe there's some semblance of good in everybody. We want to believe in the Mrs. Doubtfire moments where people realize their wrongs and, uh, and and people reunite and this and that. So I think that's what makes that scene plays with our emotion our emotions as humans and that's why it eps with you when she does what she does because it it makes you let your guard down you yes. know where you're, you're starting to feel which is a dangerous thing and then all of a sudden bang and yeah it's, yeah it completely messes with your senses chris that that whole conflict with her starts a little bit earlier with it all you know when she steals the body and steals the, the ambulance because it's over, it's done, she's relieved, and then she doesn't trust it. There's some part of her who knows better, and some part of her which is like, it's done, right? And then it happens again. And now she, again, she has to take care of it again, right? But there's that conflict, she just keeps kind of vacillating between, like, finish this, and is there a hope? Is there anything I can grasp onto? And that's why the hand reaching out and that whole near touching is really, really important because there's that moment of, you know, what have I done? Forgive me, you know, let's move past this, help me, or just just an inch closer and I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Right. And, and that tension between those two really played well and, and drove everyone kind of crazy in the theater, which was a good thing, right? It, it, it absolutely did. Even the subtle when she gets up and she's walking toward you when you're in, even the subtle fire start, you know, at the where the van is a little flicker. It's just all of that, the cinematography, the feeling of it. And I'll tell you what, Jamie Lee is amazing too because when she cuts her head off, the last ten seconds of that movie, her breathing is so good. You can feel her like. 20 years and all that anxiety and, and trauma and she started she's she's finally starting to be able to breathe at a normal like it's a relief you can feel it right. it's it, it's very well done by everybody all the way around mm -hmm. uh, that was probably the hardest scene for me because we knew you got your head cut off Chris. well well <laughs> other than that other than the physical aspect now we knew before we started filming H2O, that, that it was going to be a double play at the end there um, so they could carry the franchise on. That was part of the deal because Jamie wanted to finish it and kill Michael. And, of course, the producers are, are never going to let the franchise die if they can help it because it's their bread and butter. So they had to kind of come up with a compromise. So that was known before we even started filming. 
and we were going to play this both ways, <clears throat> which of course means in the scene that I had to be a guy, paramedic, tied up, mouth taped shut, kind of going, what the hell's happening? Help me. I had to be Michael, having had since knocked to a noon with his van saying, what have I done? Help me, which is a different level than the first. Okay, because there's a connection between the two of them. And then it had to be, like I said, just, just touch me and I'll finish this. Right. And it kind of had to do this morph through all of this stuff. Um, and all of it had to play. And basically, Steve let me do what I thought was right, which I just went, okay, I'll do something. <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope this works. I find that. <laughs> Rhiannon, I find that amazing because I would have never, like, I always assumed that resurrection wasn't conceptualized yet. Yeah. Um, so they were just going off the way you acted as Michael, and they said, what can we do? How can we make this work? So it's amazing because it does work, and to know that you were playing those dual characters like that, mm -hmm. um, it, it really is amazing because you're Chris, Playing Michael, playing a paramedic, but you're still playing Michael. <laughs> but you're playing a paramedic. Do you lose track of who you are when you go home? Simple, man. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> I got years of experience. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. No, it was yeah. one of those where I just I just dove in and went, again, I'm gonna do what I think is right here and take those moments um, and and hope it plays the way we want it to, because this is a pretty critical scene. <laughs> Let's not mess this one up. Um, you know, a lot of the other stuff, the physicality is, is built in from years and years and years of doing stuff. But having that extra uh, acting on top of it, that kind of layering on of that humanity and that monster all at once was a trick. And, and it was really very much learning on the fly for some of that. And I was flattered that they trusted me with it. And, you know, Again, like you said, no news is good news. So the funny well, story, the funny story backing up was was the knives in the kitchen, that whole sequence where I stick the knife in the drawer and then I flick her down. We and she smashes through a whole um, large tray of like plates and crap from the kitchen, the whole thing tumbles over and she falls in. So we're rehearsing that scene. We're doing it at quarter speed because we just want the blocking. Like we're going to go from here to here. We'll spin. I'll wind you up and I'll chuck you through this stuff. And Steve was watching unbeknownst to us in the next room at Video Village, what we were doing with the rehearsal. And he said, that looks, you know, that looks like crap. You know, that sucks. And you're like, okay, you know, what can we change? It did not suck. And you're like, Okay, you know, a lot of help. Thanks. And of course, when you go, it's a it's a totally different thing than marking something. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the only time that we had like a bad comment, and the bad comment was just being sarcastic and and goofy with it. But we would do something, and then you hear Steve giggling in the next room because you know he got what he wanted, and that was the feedback you get. But that was fine. That was great. Because it's, you know, it's, it's business. You come in, you do your thing, you nail it. Hopefully everyone's happy. It's not like a big party 
calibration. It's like, good, got it, check the gate, move on, let's go. And you keep working. So, yeah, it's it's not what people think sometimes, but that's fine because you don't want to do that. You don't want to you don't want to get your head in the game that way and, and worry about praise. You just do what you know is right and keep moving. Right. And we, we see, I think that's where uh, we have the kinship. I know I, we have a I, Rhiannon and I have the same sort of mentality. So I think it's it, it's really worked. We've really got to know you and really enjoyed that part of you. And the one thing Rhiannon and I talked about, too, and we touched on this at one point privately, I believe. In H2O, in one of the scenes, in the background, Rhiannon, Scream 2 is playing, yeah. where Mr. Duran just happens to be Ghostface. This happens. In 1997. <laughs> What's up with that, Chris? You're everywhere. No I didn't know they were doing that. <laughs> we picked up on that. Another, yet another little Easter egg that Mr. Yeah. C. Minor put into the movie on top of many others. Yes. Yeah, I think I think it was just him having fun. Inside jokes and you know, just just being goofy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I wrote Bud and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was crazy in the background. I wonder if they did that on purpose. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we were seeing it, but then I'm, we wanted to make sure because I'm like, if that's screen two, that's going to be one effing coincidence. Yeah. And we, we weren't sure if it was one or two when we would quickly watch the clip and it was two. We did a little, a little study. I, I wouldn't put it past Steve to do that. I, I, we'll, have to chat. we'll have to see if we'll get him on sometime. There's got to be, that would be, like I said, one big coincidence. If, yeah. You know what I mean? And I will say, when, when you were talking, Chris, you talked about them trusting you. And that is really evident because you literally were carrying the movie into the next uh, installment, literally. And, and that scene where you are crushed against the van, if you watch it with two different sets of glasses on, it translates in both ways. If you take it as Michael getting his bell rung and yeah. trying to get to his senses, it absolutely works. And if you take it as the, the uh, paramedic, kind of doing the same thing, but trying to figure out what the hell's going on and trying to get her attention right. uh, yeah. through the eyes. And I think that's why it also works, Chris, because she has that moment of stopping and wondering, you know, and kind of the, the hand reach so it works on that level, too, because you could say, well, she did kind of sense that good, and that's why she did, because it wasn't Michael. Right. Um, so, again, hats off. It works all the way around. Brilliant. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a funny story about that. Well, the van and that whole scene, it was, it was probably 3 in the morning. It was cold out for those whole sequences. Oh, uh, but we were trying to figure out how to do the van to pin me. And we had a crane there holding up the van to swing it into position. And of course it's, it's not going to be that precise. And you, you know, what are we going to do? Swing it in and then mat it together and then put me in where, you know, there's ways to layer the, the shot and, and put me in. And I came up with the idea and I said, see, why don't we just do it backward? Just yank the van away and, and I'll overlap my last three moves that would have happened backward. So as they yank the van away, I roll out of it. So I figured out what I would do going forwards to land at that spot and get pinned. And then I just reversed the whole action. Oh, wow. And then they filmed it that way by yanking it away and having me, you know, roll myself out of there. Right. It's kind of like I started with the reaction and then slumped over, boop, and then rolled out. 
right? So you had to think of all the nuances and do it in reverse. And then you reverse the film. And which is which is awesome because there's some films that do that and you can pick up on it. Yep. But I would have never known that with H2O. And I have a pretty keen yeah. eye look for stuff like that. And that's good because yeah. some you can kind of tell just by the little, you know what I'm talking about, there's little yeah. things that are just not, but that, yeah, that's, that's awesome to know. That must have been tough to do to time that right, Chris. No, not, not for a reverse thing like that because the crane is quick to yank it out. So I just made sure I started with the arch position like it had pinned me and it really yanked me. And as soon as it's going, I just had to, it, it takes just a beat for the crane to yank the van out. And during that beat, I'm slumping forward as if I just got to the log slumped over it. And then so I just go slump, boom, out. And so as the van is leaving, I have to be leaving. And that's the real timing trick. The van can't right. leave me there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've got a moment to do an action beforehand. And as soon as the van's moving and I feel it, I got to be with it. So that in reverse, the two come together at a perfect timing. So it's tricks we've done before. <laughs> well, it must help them, Chris, because you do have that experience. So they don't have to F around yep. with trying to all that stuff. And you're, 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 new, you're not new to the game. And they no, know that. I'm quite sure they all knew that. So there's a thing called the cowboy switch in movies, which is a, a obviously thinking of classic Westerns. And you've seen it a thousand times. You know, you'll see the guy fall off the building and fall behind a water trough so he's out of sight and then pop up in the frame again. So you'd have the stunt guy fall off the building behind the water trough and as soon as he goes boom and lands, the actor pops up and is right in frame and keeps going. And so it's a, called a cowboy switch, right? So we were doing the shot where Jamie's looking in the store window, sees my reflection, whips around and it's Adam. And they're trying to figure out what to do. The camera guys were kind of like, hmm, how are we going to compose this? What are we going to do? You know, are we going to have to do an effect here? Are we going to have to do whatever? And I just went, no, no, no. I got, just do this. I go, watch, you're lined up here. Here, Adam, you stand over here, slightly off axis. So they couldn't see him in the reflection. And you can see me in the reflection. And the second the camera panned off of me, I just ducked and it whips around to him and I'm under the camera. Oh. Right? That's so simplest, it's the simplest way to do it because you can see me in the reflection and then there's a beat where you don't see anything as the camera whip pans and you just got to be quick. So as it whip pans, I just ducked and it whip pans around Adam standing there and you think that's the reflection, but of course it's not, right? So mm -hmm. it's a so it was just a version of a cowboy switch. I'm in the shot, boom, he's in the shot, right? That's really cool. Yeah, it's but, cool to know those things, Rhiannon. Yeah. I've been around long enough and paid it, uh, hopefully enough attention that I picked up on a lot of the stuff. And there's a, there's a lot of things you can do that are old school tricks where you just keep it simple. Mm -hmm. right? and, and now everyone's like, oh, you can do this effect and that thing and we'll map this. And it's like, why? It was just as effective to do it the old school way, right? And it and it took no time. So I was able to add some elements like that because of my background that they might not have thought about, or I could kind of give them a little little gems like that 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 worked out. So mm -hmm. that was fun. Well, it certainly did work out, Mister Ryan. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And so you're out. 
what else are you up to now? What are you doing? How are you living? What are you up to? Surviving like everyone else. Keep trying to keep a good attitude with this whole thing. A lot right. of family time. Uh, a lot of writing. So, something yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Your what you're doing currently and your writing and things. Well, I've I've written scripts in the past, but I'm hoping to do them and not sell them. That was never the point to to be a writer and sell stuff. It's to be a filmmaker. So I do have a couple of um, franchise ideas of my own within horror among a whole host of other things. But right now I'm doing a, a novel, which is um, a true life story about a, a, a woman from Africa, from Uganda, who's an acid attack survivor. And it's her story to get her education and, and get out of, you know, come up from nothing and all the things she had to go through and then what happened to her and then what happened after. But um, this came about because we were filming a documentary on uh, extreme and domestic violence in a, in a foundation in Beverly Hills that helps put the women back together surgically. And so we were in on a lot of surgeries and you know, really, really, really intense stuff, worst of the worst kind of cases, heartbreaking stuff. But here's this woman who's just amazing. And so um, she allowed me to write her story. So I'm pretty far into it. And I'm cutting together now a documentary just on her um, to kind of go to come out hopefully at the same time. So wow. I'm busy, I'm busy with that, which is a tough subject. And then I'll get back to some of the other books I've got. Um, my wife's book that we're doing because she's a 9-11 survivor. She was front and center. She was at ground zero, literally at ground zero um, at the Millennium Hilton on the 24th floor looking at the towers. So the second plane came right through, you know, you see it exploding through the building and that ball of flames was right at her eye level. They came right at them and they thought they were done for and then told her whole story about why she was there and what she did afterwards. But she was one of the people all covered in crap that you'd see on the news, uh, got wow. trampled, you know, got out. You know, it's, it's a crazy, crazy thing. So we're, we're gearing up to do that because we've been down to Gitmo. Um, she's been a couple times. I've been once to be part of the pre-trial for the terrorists. So that's in the works. <laughs> wow. None of the happy things. And well, then I got to get back to the kids series that I was doing and started. And I'll finish that. I'll finish that up as in the in-between. But there's well, no short projects. I should have asked you what you, what you weren't up to. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you. Well, first of all, Chris, thank, thank uh, the good Lord upstairs or whoever you believe in that your wife is still here. Yeah. Um, and uh, definitely, definitely, it's a it's a blessing. And again, the way things work out, again, uh, with what you guys are doing now and how you're giving back, um, you know, that's that's amazing. Uh, especially yeah. through that pain and the different other things that you're doing, it's amazing. You're definitely. Not you're a multi-dimensional man, Chris, and I can speak to that just even the short time I've gotten to know you. Know you, excuse me. Uh, you do it all. You have a heart, and you're amazingly, sometimes dryly, sarcastically funny, um, to the point where you it makes me wonder. Um, and I I'm love always that. sarcastic. Yeah, you've got some, what, what does it say on your screen? What did you What did he write, Brianna? What does it say? Shapey. Oh, shapey. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it said shaggy at first because my eyes are bad because I'm old. 
Shapey. I like the nickname that uh, I was given by Jamie um, oh. early on in the show, which of course does not help you be scary. <laughs> well, especially when she's yeah, she was telling you she's going to kick your ass, from what I understand. Yeah, she came up to me, you know, before one scene, and she'd get right up in my face like, "I'm going to kick your butt." You know, I was saying you want to stay away from everyone and get in the mood. Yeah, she did the opposite. She <laughs> got right up on me, and it's like, "Thanks, Jamie." Like, she's testing you. Oh, I got to be scary. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, she was, was testing how how quick you could turn it on, Chris. Yeah. Well, I was, I was able to stick my tongue out at her through the mask, which was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, so awesome. you played um, two of the icons, Ghostface and Michael Myers. Yeah. Um, is there another big name of that, you know, the horror icons that you would ever want to play? Great question, really. Yeah, no, there's, you know, listen, there's so, other than the ones I've written, yes. Um, I, I think the one that would be really fun because of my physical background would be to do Jason because I think I could bring something really fun to that. Oh, yeah. uh, that's yeah, I would love to see that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm big enough to do it, right? I've got the right size. I've got the right physicality. Um, it's, it's a different character for sure, but it would be fun to kind of bring that to it. Um, Leatherface might be fun too, but oh, ooh, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's another one. That's yeah, a I think kind well. of energy as well. That's a very uh, serial killer weirdo, you know, undertone creepy kind of vibe. So yeah. that might be kind of fun to to play with that. Um, that yeah. that would be more specific on what you'd have to do to really pull it off. If that makes sense, I think the choices would have to be very much more specific and a little bit more creative. I think it'd be more just fun to do Jason. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Well, you're definitely, um, you have quite the acting range and you've got a lot of depth to you as well. So uh, I don't think there's anything you couldn't tackle and do. Um, and, you know, it's funny okay. too. My wife, I, we were talking just about you in general, just getting to know you a little as a person as I have a little. It's amazing when you see you on screen. And that's why I think it's amazing with people with talent like yours, because you are genuinely such an open person and a very loving energy, uh, very warm. Uh, as I said to you privately, it feels like a I feel like a kid by a campfire when I listen to your stories. <laughs> so to have you be able to translate what you are, that speaks to your acting ability too, to be able to, because you're effing terrifying on film. On, with everything that you do when you're trying to be terrifying. Um, but as a person, you are absolutely top notch and you help to make that $17 million budget translate into over $75 million worldwide, yeah. sir. Wow. Yeah, thank you. You made me think of something funny though, because if I'm, I'm the guy you want to be hanging around a campfire with, I'm actually the a bad campfire ghost story come to life, right? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> you know, really freak us out. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, and I hope, Chris, that our, our paths cross in the future. You are top-notch, and I really, Brandon said, because we had such a good time getting to know you, 
she said, I wonder if Chris would ever come back on with us and just shoot the shit about horror movies on the show. Anytime, I said, well, you guys, anytime. We'll put it out there because we have so much fun with you, Chris. And for, and I, I know I speak for Rhiannon. I'll let her speak. For the first show as me with a host, I, I, with Rhiannon, th this couldn't have been more fun. And you couldn't have made the whole process. Because even for me, been doing a lot of nerves because it's 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 exciting it's it's fun and to be in the presence of someone like you and you made it so smooth and and, and fun and really made the whole experience one i will never forget and i know we have well, thank you very much wow. definitely i'm very very grateful that you were willing to come on and do this with us and i can't wait to do it again you're you're so easy to talk to and your stories oh, yeah. are incredible <laughs> Your work speaks for itself. It's really, really nice that we got to connect with you, and I really, truly appreciate it. Chris, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'm a, a help to your show. I'm not a, a hindrance. Oh no, <laughs> you are as smooth as cream cheese on a warm bagel, my friend. And I'll tell, I, I'll tell you, for the people out there too, when I contacted Chris, and I think we may have. I may have sent you like a Halloween thing before, but we had never really spoken or, or anything. And I had watched a lot of your things and just, and I watch no matter who it is, if I happen to see how people treat people, because that's really how I gauge, you know, irrespective of everything else. And for the people out there behind the scenes, I, I when I reached out to Chris, and Rihanna can attest to this, it was, you were so cool right away. Mm -hmm. um, and just so accommodating and so human and humble. When I went to Rihanna and said, uh, hey, guess what? I, I, I literally, uh, I think she came right out of her seat. Um, so, and again, to have you on the first show, I couldn't have dreamt it better. And ever since we knew we were going to do it, and I, Chris, I've got, I'll give a shout out more at the end of the show because we've got a lot that we want to give. But I, I've got friends I grew up with that have known me for you know, four plus decades that I know we're getting a kick out of this because. I remember when I was very young, uh, probably seven, eight years old. I've got a few friends out there, Chris Baker, Jeremy Roberts, Eric Saracen, that's this. On a cassette tape, I would record Halloween 2, 1981, the theme music at the end. And at night, I would take my boom box and I would go up to, I lived in a big, all these apartment complexes, <laughs> and I would put the boom box on the ground at like 11 o'clock at night, all these hundred apartments. And I'd crank it all the way up, din, 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 and I'd put my Michael Myers mask on because I had one, and I'd go <laughs> up to the stairs and wait by the door because when they heard the music, I knew they'd freak out and they'd whip the door up and I'd be standing there. Uh, and, and, it, and it worked. But, but when they opened the door, I think they kind of expect that it was me when they hear it, oh, it's butt again. So it kind of worked, kind of didn't, but those are the sort of people that remember that. So to see me uh, on with somebody like you and just shooting the breeze and enjoying those memories, sir, I know is, is not only a kick you know, uh, enjoy for me, but for everybody else out there, my mother-in-law and my wife and everybody out there. I know people that uh, love Rhiannon too, and her, it's a joy for her too. So I know everybody out there is appreciated. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, so now we are at the end of our show. Um, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And this was incredible for our first show with you as a co-host, but I'm so thankful and grateful that you're willing to do this with me. I love you to death. You are one of my best friends and just, I couldn't ask for a better person to do this with. Um, but if you want to give any um, shout outs or where to find any of your other work that you want people to see, um, where to find you on social media, just anything that you want to give a shout out for real quick, you can do it. 
All right. Well, Rhiannon, I want to give, first of all, a shout out to somebody very important, somebody I love very much, and somebody I am so proud of, and her name is Zombie Barbie. <laughs> Rhiannon Nicole, I love you, and I'm so thankful for you as well. We're doing this together, baby. Hell There's yeah. nothing stopping us. And I want to give a shout out again to my wife, Allison. I love you, baby. Thank you for being born. To my two boys, Mason and Carter, I love you, boys. Uh, and to a few different people out there, Daddy's Fight Canada, Ryan Brochu, is a guy that has a big support group for dads and, and moms, too. It's a, a fight for 50-50 equal share parenting. And I promised Ryan, who's a big horror fan, that we would give you a shout out out there. Uh, he's a big fan. Sam Fowler, who's a huge fan out there and does some YouTube work himself. Uh, everybody out there. Chris Baker, John Mondew, my Brook, Brook Village crew, uh, Shane Jubert, everybody out there. Aaron Roberts, the Roberts boys. And I know I'm going to miss a few people, my mother and father-in-law and everybody out there. Uh, it ain't over till you say it's over, Rhiannon and Mr. Chris Duran. Uh, and I ain't heard no bell. We're just getting warmed up, baby. Thank you to everybody out there. My Indie Productions, everybody's support. And again, we're just getting started. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. And how about and Mr. Duran. Yeah. <laughs> Especially to Mr. Duran. I would never forget you, sir. Thank you so much. Again, it was an absolute effing blast. And we're going to do it again. Can and Citizen Parker, Podcast is going to do it if I could. Larry Zerner from Friday the 13th, part two, from, uh, excuse me, part three from 1982 will be our guest next week. And Larry is a great guy out in California. I've interviewed him before. And I told him, I'm even more excited this time, uh, more so than I was the first. Again, thank you to everybody out there, especially Mr. Chris Duran, the man. All right, Chris. And then where can people find you? Somewhere. <laughs> oh, you're 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 talking to me now. Again. You had me you had me shut up and you should have stuck with that. No. Um, oh. Facebook Finister Parlor Podcast. Uh, I do a morning show with uh, Eric Carroll, Dad uh, excuse me, uh, morning dad talk uh, in the morning. It's usually Thursday. We've delayed that for a bit because Eric's very busy too. Um, parents United Worldwide, I run a support group for a parents. Same thing as uh, Ryan Boshu. Uh, so go out and look for me, Bud Vino. And uh, again, thank you to everybody. Okay. <laughs> I think like, we were, I have were like, you going for Chris on that one? I wasn't sure. So I was confused. <laughs> it's my first show. You guys, gotta, you guys, cut me a break. <laughs> I'm new at this. Perfect. That was perfect, Bud. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> All right, Chris, where where can people find you? I'll, I'll be lurking somewhere. I'm not sure. What outside our windows? I guess Facebook. Yeah, but look under Christopher. Uh, I, I always use that as a professional name. So, um, Well, since, Chris, since it was so natural for you to do the shape, Rand and I both live out in Alaska. We don't live anywhere near you because it seems like all that was natural. We don't want you to know where we live. So we don't, we're barely on anywhere. We're, we're, we're just, no, thank you, Chris. Chris is everywhere. Chris is a shape. So he's everywhere. He works everywhere. Yeah. Equal opportunity lurker, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and he has a nickname, Shapey. <laughs> Shapey. Sure, right? some comedic, 
I gave everybody some comedic action at the end. I was I was half confused. I'm like, okay, well, do I keep? Is she asking me? Like, I'm like, it doesn't seem like that would be something she would ask me. But I'm midway through, and I didn't want to stop because it would seem weird. But then it was really, I can see you both like trying not to laugh, but then just say effing laughing. <laughs> you know, it all works. Everything is part of the show, Rihanna. Remember, there's no efforts. No. It just makes it better. Everything yep. makes it better. <laughs> you have, a, you have so, a lot of sites we can find you on. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and then everybody definitely check out Chris's um, IMDb. There is so many movies on there. So many. I was like, holy shit, there's a lot. So check out his work. Check him out on Facebook. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I just want to give a shout out real quick to a couple people. Uh, My Indie Productions, who supports all indie artists, um, actors, directors, producers, writers. They're an incredible platform and just amazing. Um, Johnny Daggers, who does our intro, our logo. Um, yeah, our intro and our logo. I had to think because I haven't done this for a while. Um, Chris Attila, who does the outro music and also does the intro and outro for iTunes, Spotify, um, Google podcasts, all of that. And then check out horror with Sir Sturdy. He's a fellow podcaster. He's how I got into podcasting. So check him out as well. He's on Facebook, um, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, all that good stuff. And with that, we are done. Dun, 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 dun. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you so, so, so much. And we look forward to doing thank it again. Thank you, Chris. For sure, let's do it again. <laughs> Definitely. Appreciate right. it, buddy. Love you. Thank you. Bye, guys. I don't know how to get out of this thing. This first time using it, so hold on. <laughs> okay, so I just hit end. All right, guys. Good night. <laughs> thank you, guys. Right, guys. Thank you. Bye.